the old pilot's plain tales. Four instructors walked into a bar part two, a continuation of stories from a flying instructor's reunion. What's your favourite story, DL? Favourite story? Yeah. I, I find it difficult because there, there, there are so many and, and, and it's well, so, tell them all. so diverse. <laughs> didn't you nearly eject? I mean, I mean uh, yeah, didn't you nearly eject? Well, yes. I mean, um, <laughs> no names. Well, actually, I've got, I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got a book, <laughs> and it's book. twenty-five years of RAF accidents. Yeah, I managed to find it on a, a bookstore, and it covers our whole period wow. of when we were in the air force. And what you don't realise is that during that uh, that period of time, we seem to lose about 25 aircraft a year mm -hmm. uh, and so forth. And some years were, were worse than that. Uh, and so when, when you analyse it, um, I mean, when we were at Valley as instructors, we had, before, we had all the photographs of the student courses on the wall. And um, originally the graduation ceremony, I'm going offline here, the graduation ceremony was at um, Linton News. That's where we all got our wings. And then mm, they yeah. decided to change it to um, being at RF Valley. Now, all the photographs are on the walls of the students. People had diligently put an E above their heads if they'd ejected and a halo above their heads if they'd died. <laughs> all right. And most of the courses had a lot of E's and a lot of halos. Wow. So when the uh, parents came to the first graduation ceremony, of course, they were then taken to the squadron and uh, having a wonderful day. And coming down the corridor, of course, then saying to their, their son or whatever, Oh, what, oh these, what are these pictures? What, what are all these E's and halos? <laughs> <laughs> once they told them, they were horrified. So. We had to remove them all on oh, any no. future graduations to downstairs. E for exceptional and for What you're referring to is, I think, um, in all of us, we, we all had our little incident hmm. at some point or other. That, that's, that's the thing. And, and, and I thought I was pretty fortunate. Uh, I, was, I was doing okay, I hadn't had any major incidents. And then at, uh, when I was instructing at RF Valley, we had... Um, uh, night flying coming up. I was outside of currency, so they decided uh, I have to go and get my currency. Um, so I'm going to go off with a, one of the guys who are in currency, uh, which was the uh, flight commander on the, the other flight. So we taxi down, and, and uh, all's, all's good. And um, as we're taxiing down, he says to me, he says, uh, Well, do you want the takeoff for landing? <laughs> and um, I always like the landing. I feel I've completed the sortie and everything else. So that was my first mistake <laughs> to say, I'll have the landing. So we get down and sure enough, we line up on the runway and we off we go. And uh, we're just lifting off and um, the wheels are coming up now. And all of a sudden there's this almighty bang. The aircraft shudders and everything. And now I've had an engine surge in the Hawk. So I knew that was... There's no way this is an engine, sir. This, this engine's done some serious damage. Now, as you know, that the briefing before takeoff is any major emergency below 250 knots with the gear up is climb to a safe height, point in a safe direction, and eject. There's no question about it. So um, you've got to remember that when, when, when the engine explodes like that, um, the electrics go. 
So the only light we had in the cockpit was the attention getters flashing like mad. So um, the thought process, I'm not going to knock off the attention getters. It's the only thing I can see in this cockpit. <laughs> the last thing you think about is putting the emergency lighting on. Yeah. So, so I'm sitting there. So the first thing I look at is, is the height and speed. So I look in, right, uh, 150 feet, 210 knots. Right, we're going out. He's flying it from the front cockpit because uh, he's decided to have the takeoff. And uh, so sure enough, he starts pulling up. Right, so I go for the, the handle because I've got command eject in the back, waiting to just uh, point in the safe direction. And as I'm doing this, um, he shouts out, going for a hot relight. And I'm going, oh my goodness, has he seen something I haven't seen? I mean, I, I thought this was, the engine had blown itself up. So I look again and the height's climbing up towards about 600, 800 feet now. So I said, right, you deal with the aeroplane, I'll deal with the rest. And at this stage, I get a call from air traffic, which is saying, uh, uh, we've seen a, a large amount of flame coming out of the back of your aeroplane. Is this normal? <laughs> Stand by. So, so I then put out the usual mayday, 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 wait. Mm. Uh, and whilst we get on with this, Friend of mine, he's walking out to his aeroplane for night flying across the road, uh, Jerry Whittingham. And um, as our aircraft takes off and the engine explodes, there's a massive amount of flame comes out the back. I mean, it lit the whole airfield up. They even saw it in the mess. And uh, he gets the silhouette of a fuel bowser with a flame behind it and thinks the fuel bowser's going up. So they both <laughs> hit the ground and, and hide under the aeroplane. So we're now cli <laughs> climbing up. Good place to hide. We're now climbing. We hit 800 feet, and now we start to go down. And this comes back to what you're saying. When you're in these situations, it goes into slow motion. Everything is just complete slow motion in time. And, and I'm sitting there going, well, I've always wanted to eject. <laughs> 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 I always thought about it, it, but I'm not so sure now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and, and I find out afterwards, he's thinking, I wonder which hospital they'll take us to. <laughs> These are sort of thought pretty good. Yeah. So anyway, it was now going down into this sort of inky black hole of the estuary just beyond the, the runway. And um, still waiting for this engine to, to relight. And we're getting to 600 feet. So I'm starting to think, we, we really need to get out of this thing. So I realise he's got his visor up. And, um, and of course, you know, with the detonating coil mm. and the Hawk, yeah, you need your visor down, ideally. In way of explanation, in order to improve the reaction time for the ejector seat, the Hawk aircraft uh, had the canopy lined with miniature detonating cord, which was coated in a lead-like substance, uh, which zigzagged up and down the perspex. Uh, in the event of an ejection, as the ejector seat started moving, a striker would fire this detonating cord, uh, and there was a great deal of uh, splatter from the coating, uh, in addition to uh, shards of plastic, which would be sprayed around. But it allowed the seat to uh, literally be on the move as the canopy uh, shattered, um, taking about a you know half a second or perhaps even a second off the reaction time for the ejector seat when compared with aircraft who had to jettison their canopies first. So, and again, um, always saying that you mustn't, uh, yeah, mustn't um, uh, use the word eject. 
So I thought, right, I've got to have to get him prepared. So I said, are you ready to go? To which he shouts back, no. Oh, my goodness. So, so I'm, 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 I'm looking at it think, well, we've got a couple more seconds. I'm going to give it two more seconds and then, and then we're off. And uh, so I'll find out later on he thought I was asking if the engine was going. But um, <laughs> anyway, so two more seconds. We're getting to about 400 feet now and the engine just starts to wind up. So it's starting to wind up slow, slow, slow. And gradually, as the power comes up, we start to level it off. And we get to level it off at 200 feet. At night. At night. And this engine, we got to 90%, and it's graunching. Like nobody's busy. There is a screech coming out of it. So we get to 90% thing. Well, well, we've leveled it. We can hold it level at 90%. But we, we can't do anything. We'll leave it at that. So we go out over the sea. I'm us thinking, well, we'll eject over the sea now. At least we've got it safe over the, off the land and so on. We'll eject over the sea. And then we sit there and well, it's, it's maintaining height. We might as well try and see if we can do a fixed power back into the base. Flying a fixed powered circuit uh, is a common technique for single engine jet aircraft, whereby you can complete a circuit with a, uh, a set amount of power and not varying that power until you're absolutely certain you're going to arrive at the runway safely, um, effectively using your um, flaps and gear to oppose uh, any additional um, power you have uh, by creating drag or leaving uh, those services till very late if you haven't got a very high fixed power setting. But uh, it's common for a jet engine to be able to run for quite a while on a set power setting, but the moment that the power is varied, uh, the engine uh, ceases. So we go back into uh, the base and do a fixed powered into it to land it. And as soon as uh, we pulled the throttle back, it just seized, boom, gone. And uh, climbed out the cockpit and uh, met the, uh, the sort of uh, welcoming party, of which one person had to say, uh, whoopee, we thought you were going to crash. And as the guy in the front with me was about to hit the person, I grabbed his arm and said, come on, let's go to the bar. Anyway, um, we found out afterwards what had happened is that uh, it shed a whole blade off the first stage of the low pressure. And that blade had taken off every single blade off the second stage of the low pressure uh, and a turbine. And because it was out of balance, the graunching, it it was up against the titanium casing. And you could actually see the groove in the titanium casing that it'd been making as oh, it'd been wow. spinning around. But how on earth that engine started again? Because it was only the high pressure. And fortunately, all the bits went down the bypass. So, um, yeah. And what did you get for that, well, Dave? Did you get a I, No, no, I got, I got, I got uh, an endorsement on my license, yeah. you understand. Yeah. An endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as you know, a green endorsement, which sounds... You get a medal. So, 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 so well, wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. Did you get, yes. Did you get a pay rise? <laughs> didn't get that either, you know. Sadly. No, no, didn't get any bonuses or anything. No. Sure. Well, it's better than a red endorsement. A green or red endorsement was a permanent entry made in your logbook by your superiors uh, to either commend you for a particular act of skill uh, or, in the case of a red endorsement, uh, completely the opposite. I don't think yeah. they handed many of those out <laughs> when we were around. But, no. Yeah. no. Did you have any bang but, on it? Sorry? Did you ever nearly bang out? No. no. Never any near mid-airs or anything? So you just had a boring fighter tour on your board. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, nothing ever happened. Yeah. Come on, guys. What's the funniest stories, though, we've got? 
Well, I, I mean, uh, uh, again, it is a crushing incident, but it is funny in its own way, is that um, uh, when I was on uh, 29 on the Phantom and a guy came in with emergency at night, total hydraulic failure. And we were actually finished night flying, so we were in the bar and uh, we heard the emergency state two coming back and um, and then we heard a ba-bang and one of the guys turned around, I think they've ejected. Oh. And then we heard the emergency state one. Well, what had happened is they'd come, because of a total hydraulics failure, uh, they were coming in to take the wire and uh, missed the wire. It was a quite a heavy crosswind. So it's now pushing them off the side of the runway. And because they've missed the wire, they've gone into full reheat to go around again. And because you've lost the hydraulics, you're in manual rudder. And it takes 200 pounds of force to get full deflection on the rudder which uh, the guy wasn't used to. So they now drift off the side of the runway and they're now on the grass at night in full reheat. So the, the, um, obviously the decision was, I've had enough of this, and, and they eject. Of course, the, the aircraft now is in full reheat, steaming down the grass, down the edge of the runway, uh, disappears over the main road into the fields and, and eventually ends up as a ball of flame over there. So the three crash tenders now that are waiting now uh, see the ball of flame in the distance. So right, off we go. So the first one goes shooting across the grass and, and finds that it's, it's boggy, so it gets bogged down. So the two behind then decide, well, we better get on the runway. And so they're shooting down the runway as far as possible towards the ball of fire. In the headlights appears the navigator who's landed on the runway, <laughs> such that the first fire tender slams his brakes on and uh, the second, the other fire tender went into the back of it. <laughs> so, so, so we've now oh, got dear. fire tender stuck <laughs> oh, in the mud. Dear. Two fire tenders crashed on the runway, and an aircraft burned itself over the main road somewhere. <laughs> I love it. I when, love uh, it. After I had my um, my ejection, I was uh, in the bar at Binbrook, and um, I bumped into a crew. I, I don't know what whether they were a, a phantom crew. I'm not quite sure. But, were um, they handsome and, and no, smart? They were, they were really ugly, so they probably were fantastic. Well, they crew. must have been Jaguar boys. So um, <laughs> uh, I get chatting to this crew, and, and this my accident seems to, for some reason, becomes you know it's known or talked about. And uh, one of these guys, uh, the, the pilot, he said to me, um, "Are you getting any sort of funny dreams?" And I said, really? I said, what about the accident? He said, yeah. I said, I said, no, I'm not really. He said, oh, you, you probably will at some stage. I said, oh, why? Have you uh, ejected? He said, yeah, I, I ejected. I said, all oh, right. So what did uh, you eject from? Uh, he said, I got, got out of a Canberra. I said, all right, and you, you're okay. And he said, yeah, I'm fine. And the other guy with him, who's his nav, said, yeah, but the navigator wasn't. And I'm thinking, oh dear, I've, I've touched on a very <laughs> sensitive subject here. Mm. And this chap, the pilot, says, no, actually what it was, was he said, I was a test pilot at Boscombe Down, and uh, Canberra crashed in strange circumstances. So we got tasked with reconstructing the accident to see why this aircraft had crashed. And basically it had lost control on finals doing a practice single engine approach. <laughs> we thought it shouldn't have done. So they wanted to reconstruct the circumstance of the accident. So I was given this Canberra. The same fuel load, the same weight, the same configuration, he said, and send off to, to do this again. You see, you can see the obviously what's going to, to happen. crush the airplane again. However, they said they didn't want to risk another crew member. So uh, apparently, when uh, the 
aircraft crashed, there was a navigator in the the bomb aiming bay mm, of this Canberra, mm. and um, what they did was they got like a, a mannequin dummy, and they put some lead weight lead weights and stuff to put it in this position, so it would have exactly the same C of G and weight as the aircraft that had crashed. But the ground crew, being ground crew, decided to have some fun, so they actually <laughs> dressed this mannequin dummy up in a bone dome and a flying suit and boots and, and everything, you know, <laughs> and flying gloves, the whole deal, okay, <laughs> and put it in the bomb bay. So again, you know, cut to the chase. Of course, he's 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 flying the same profile, and of course, the aircraft goes into a spin and crashes, and he ejects from it. Okay, and he's fine. However, the aircraft goes into a spin and it's quite a flat spin, so it lands, it sort of pancakes into the ground in almost one piece, but throws bits of it out of the actual fuselage. And one of the bits that got flown out was this mannequin got thrown clear of the airplane. And this, uh, I forget when this was, but the, uh, the aircraft crashes quite close to a road and a car stops and a, a woman jumps out of the car and runs towards this body in the field and tries to help it up, and it pulls his head off. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, dear. <laughs> She's got dreams about that's, that. That's sort of dark humour, really. I, I love it. Not everyone would find that funny. Oh, well, that's been great, guys. Thanks very much for sharing your stories. Lovely to meet you all again. And, 40 years, uh, mate. Yeah, yeah. 40, 40 mm. yeah. Absolutely. So cheers to you all. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. Can we go and get another bit now? Are we allowed to do the sound effects? Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it again sometime. Mm. All the best. My thanks again to DL, Barry and Nige for getting together and sharing a few of their memories. Plane Tales is a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guys show. You can find out about that wonderful podcast at airlinepilotguy.com. Plane Tales is also a standalone podcast, and if you're listening to this, you'll have downloaded it separately. If you want to help Plane Tales along, then how about leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice, or perhaps mention it in social media. Anyway, whatever. Thanks very much indeed for listening.